We are one week out from the 2022 NFL Draft. Alongside Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. This is the best podcast available, presented by Cross Country Mortgage. This week, kicking off the podcast one week out with the best in the business when it comes to breaking down the NFL Draft. His latest edition, the annual copy of The Beast, is on The Athletic Subscribe today to get your copy of The Beast, which is the ultimate NFL draft guide. The great Dane Brugler, our draft analyst, our resident draft analyst, you'll see him on a number of our platforms over the next few weeks, joins us here on the best podcast available. Dane, we are one week out. And yeah, there's some buzz. It's finally starting to pick up a little bit. You know, I think everybody was talking... uh, but it was more background noise than anything else, I think, with this draft. And now we're finally starting to get a little speed here and finally getting a little traction one week out from the NFL draft. It feels like that's how it usually works. Like it, it, we, we spend so much time talking about the draft, talking about the draft, and it just feels like it's oh, it's a month away. It'll, you know, it'll be here eventually. We'll just talk about it. And then one day you wake up and it's, oh, it's draft week. You know, it's just kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. Uh, but no, it's, Still, still uh, some prep we have to do to figure out how, how these picks are going to play out. Uh, you know, I, obviously the, you know, the Browns uh, not having a first round pick, but then being well represented on day two, excuse me, plenty of storylines there. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Dane, how much did it change your outlook for uh, the Browns with when, when that pick got traded and, and not just this year's, but the next two years, how, how did it change your forecast for the team? Well, certainly when you not don't have a first round pick, you know, we were uh, penciling in wide receiver there at 13 for, for the Browns as, you know, maybe the most likely scenario. And then they add Amari Cooper. Um, and then you think, okay, well, maybe they would go pass rusher there. Maybe you introduce a defensive line, but then when the trade is made, no first round pick, then, you know, you start uh, your mind shifts towards, okay, Texans now two first round picks. Browns are not picking until that mid second round. Uh, you know, what, what's their philosophy going to be? Uh, do you just kind of sit there and wait to see who falls to you? Would they get aggressive with, um, you know, those two third rounders, uh, maybe move up a little bit in the second round to ensure that they get their guy that they want. So uh, the Browns are in an interesting spot this year uh, as they attack the draft still have, uh, you know, picks to be made where you, you expect to get starters, um, but not having that first rounder. Uh, but you know what, if you're not gonna have a first round pick, this is maybe the year not to have one. This is a very thin upper class of prospects this year, but a robust middle class. And I think you feel good about uh, the players that are still gonna be on the board for you uh, in uh, the mid second round. So, you know, if you're not gonna have a first round pick, maybe this is the year to do it. Now, We'll have to see future years how that affects this team. Uh, you know, each draft has its own identity. So at uh, this time next year, when we're talking about the draft and how things are going to play out, it might be a different story. We'll just have to see how how all that comes together. But this year, especially uh, having the multiple day two picks, I, I think it, the, the Browns still have options here with how they want to attack things. Dane, I know that you've had some interactions with NFL front offices and and done been a part of them and whatnot. Have you been in a situation like this before where, where the team doesn't have a first-round pick, and does it really change the team's philosophy as they're looking at, at draft and, and how the draft may fall to them on day two, not necessarily day one? I, I think at different levels, it's, it, it'll be different. You know, for like the scouts, nothing's different. You're still doing your work. You're still, uh, you know, you're not – it's not like you're, you stop uh, doing work on first round players. You're still doing your, your due diligence on all of these guys. 
So from a scouting perspective, from, you know, the area scouts, national scouts, that, you know, that, that's still the same. Now, uh, you know, from the upper, uh, the, you know, some of the key decision makers, general managers, some of the directors, maybe there's a little bit of a difference um, it just in how you, your approach to the draft. But, you know, uh, teams are still doing mock drafts in terms of just trying to best understand how that first round is going to play out. So they have a better understanding of, OK, maybe these are the, the five to ten players you know, in the Browns case, especially five to ten players that we really need to focus on. Um, you know, if this guy reaches this point, maybe we make a phone call. Uh, you know, if this if this uh, player that we have graded as, uh, you know, a high second round pick, if he's available here, that that's something that will change our thinking a little bit. So. It, it does change your approach, uh, not having that first round pick, obviously. Um, uh, it, it, but in terms of the key decision makers, they, they just there's a lot more options. If you're sitting there at 13, you're you know, the, you, you have your draft board, you're going to get one of your 13 best players on your draft board. Um, you're also you know doing groundwork for potential trades. But when you're picking at mid second round and that's your first pick that you there's a lot more um, options that could happen a lot more you know different scenarios that you could see play out and so I think you have to just do it maybe a little bit more uh, you know preparation with that being your first pick and making sure that uh, you know you're 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 getting a good player uh, especially with it being uh, your first pick and you're only picking the first two rounds yeah, th there's two positions that Browns fans have kind of latched onto with the second round pick and it's between basically wide receiver and somewhere on the defensive line. Is, is this a good year to need those positions when, when you're starting picking in the second round? Edge rusher is special. Uh, this by far, uh, edge rusher is, is by far the best uh, position this year. And, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a broad thing to say it's the best position because you could be talking about, uh, you know, blue chippers, the top guys. You could be talking about, you know, future starters or just overall depth throughout the draft. But I think edge rusher is the answer for all three of those. You know, we're going to see three of the three edge rushers go off the board very quickly with Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, and Trevon Walker. Uh, probably throw Jermaine Johnson in there as well, a uh, chance to be a top 10 pick. The starters at the position that come out of this group uh, is going to be a, a long list. And it's a position where even into day three, fourth, fifth round, I think you're going to feel good about some of the pass rushers that are going to be available for you. So with the Browns picking, uh, we have three picks on day two. We, I think it's a fair assumption that one of those is going to be a pass rusher. And I think they're going to feel pretty good about the options that they're going to have at that point in the draft. Wide receiver, I think, is a little more top heavy where we're going to see a lot of these guys go early. They're going to fly off the board in the first round. Um, and then early second round, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of receivers fly off the board. And so I, I think, it, you know, there could be 10 receivers drafted before the Browns even have a shot at one of them. And so I, I think it's a position that could be uh, wiped out quicker than pass rusher. And maybe that does affect how the Browns uh, attach, uh, attack this draft. Say, say they want to come out of the second day uh, with a, a pass rusher and a wide receiver. Let's just hypothetical. Those are their two priorities. It, it factors in, you know, who's going to be available for them in the third uh, that, that might affect who they take in the second. Uh, if they feel like, you know, wide receivers, the way they're flying off the board, we don't feel good about our options in the third. So we're going to take, uh, as long as the pass rusher and the receiver are pretty closely graded, we're going to go with the receiver here and wait because we feel better about the options that we're going to have a pass rusher in the third. So, you know, I think uh, you know, to answer your question, both these positions are, are, are two of the deeper positions this year. Uh, they're going to be well represented throughout the first three rounds, no doubt. Yeah, and, and taking a look at your draft guide, The Beast, which you can get by subscribing today to theathletic.com. Uh, 
it's you've got a number of guys in that third round and then into day two, especially in that fourth, fourth slash fifth round uh, in terms of where you could see some of these guys going. Is there a guy that you thought was a day three guy when you started doing your evaluations that you now think falls into that day two category that's making that move up the draft board? Yeah, I think that uh, there, there are a few, um, you know, at wide receiver, you know, a guy like Khalil Shakur from Boise State, who, um, you know, you watched, I watched him last summer from his junior tape, and I thought, you know, this is, it's a good player, uh, but doesn't look overly dynamic, and then I don't know what he did, but he looked a lot more explosive on a senior tape, uh, and then that continued throughout the process uh, at the senior bowl at the, um, at the combine through his workouts. And so I think uh, Khalil Shakur uh, could be a guy that goes earlier than maybe initially thought he would. Um, Calvin Austin from Memphis, another one of those guys. You worry about the size. He's under 5'8". He's 170 pounds. But his speed and how quickly – my favorite thing about watching Calvin Austin is how quickly he turns from a receiver into a runner. It's just such a seamless transition for him. It, it really allows him to create after the catch and be someone that uh, creates conflict for the defense – um, so I, I think there are several of those guys. I mean, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, uh, the receiver uh, who might go first round now. Uh, I, I think so, that's a little high for him. I, think, I still think he's pretty raw, uh, rough around the edges. But when you're 6'4", 210 pounds, and you're running them four threes, you're going to go early. Teams are going to bet on those raw traits. So Christian Watson might not even be an option for a team uh, you know, like the Browns in the mid-second. But he's a guy that, you know, in October, we were probably talking about him as a, as a fourth-round player. But uh, he's crushed the pre-draft process. And, you know, when you just focus on the traits, you start to be excited about, you know, what he's going to grow into, what he could be. Uh, pass rusher, uh, you know, there's also a few of those guys. You know, Josh Paschal from Kentucky, uh, you know, one of my, my favorite day two picks this year. He, he really, you know, grows on you throughout the process. 6'3", 270 pounds. Uh, you know, you, you love the, the length that he plays with, uh, one of the best run defenders in this class. Uh, he, he does have, you know, you wish he maybe is a little more dynamic as a pass rusher, but he's a guy that you could leave on the field on any down and you feel comfortable what he's going to give you. So uh, pass rusher, wide receiver, definitely a few of those guys fit that, uh, you know, guys that maybe you thought going into it were day three guys, but maybe outplayed that uh, just, a, just a little bit. Dana, in your mock draft, you've got a guy like Logan Hall from Houston going to the, the Browns at number 44. And then a couple spots later, another guy that's been linked to Cleveland a lot is Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma. What do you like about those two guys? And what do you think maybe Hall fits better than, than Winfrey might here? Yeah, two really good players. I think with Logan Hall, he gives you that inside-outside versatility. Um, uh, he was a three technique primarily at Houston, um, uh, but I really like him on the edge. You know, give him a little bit of a runway, let him use that length, use that quickness, um, and I think he's going to give uh, blockers a lot of problems. Um, you know, you just don't see uh, guys with that size uh, have the combination of the motor, the quickness, uh, and he's still very young. He's 21 years old. Uh, he'll, he'll be 22 here, actually, in a couple of days. Um, but a, a guy that really could have used a red shirt coming out of high school, but Houston needed him on the field. So he gets out there. Uh, he's a guy that's going to help you on special teams. He blocked a couple of kicks uh, in college. Um, I, I think he's just scratching the surface of how good Logan Hall is going to be. And it seemed like the Browns that they love versatility up front. So, you know, it, uh, line them up uh, on the outside on uh, early downs, kick them inside on passing downs, uh, you know, bring in another, another speed guy on the edge. Uh, you know, we, you know, use that NASCAR package and just try to get after the quarterback. 
that's what Logan Hall can give you. So I, I like that fit quite a bit. Now there's a chance Logan Hall could go as early as the first round. Um, I, I do know a lot of teams say you know, the Bengals at 31, that's a strong possibility. Uh, but if you were still to be there in the mid second, I think he, the Browns would be all over uh, or he'd be all over the Browns radar. Uh, Perry on Winfrey, I, he's another guy that's younger for a senior. Uh, he's still 21 years old, won't turn 22 till August. Um, nobody wanted to block this guy at the senior bowl. I mean, anybody that was in Mobile and watched those practices, uh, he, he was uh, unstoppable. Power, quickness, uh, over 35-inch arms. Uh, I mean, he was a problem for, for, uh, for interior blockers uh, trying to slow him down. And did you see that on tape? Not always. He played more of a nose guard in that hybrid three-man front that the Oklahoma uses. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of slanting. It's a lot of, uh, you know, you didn't really get a chance to, he, he didn't have a chance to really blossom in that scheme. But when you break down the traits and you see, uh, see the quickness, you see the, the athleticism that he has, um, the power, you, you feel like this is a guy that is yet to play his best football. So um, I, I, I would be a little surprised if they went with uh, a defensive tackle in the second as opposed to the edge rusher. But defensive tackle is not a deep group this year. And I don't know, you're not finding any, anyone close to Perry on Winfrey in the third, fourth round. So I, from that perspective, I think that's why Perry of Winfrey is at least going to be part of that conversation, why he could be in consideration there in the mid-second. All right. So edge rusher, uh, wide receiver, in your opinion, what's the third best position from a talent standpoint in this draft? Um, I, you know, I think I would do it with tiers. So, you know, you've got edge rusher at the top tier and then maybe that next tier, uh, wide receivers at the top of that next tier. Um, but I think you throw in linebackers in there, um, corners in there, tackles in there, safeties in there, um, you know, probably those positions. Um, uh, but, and then the third tier I would go, uh, or, you know, interior offensive lines probably in there as well. Um, that next tier tight end, um, uh, who are we missing running backs are in there next. Um, and then pro the next year for like quarterbacks, defensive tackles. So, you know, it's uh, the linebackers really group a uh, deep group this year safety. Uh, I think the first two rounds, we're going to see plenty of uh, future starting safeties in the NFL going the first two rounds this year. Um, I, I really like the interior offensive line center is a, is a really uh, deep group in the second, third rounds. Uh, I think we're going to see plenty of future starters come out of that group. Um, uh, corner uh, is uh, it will stretch out uh, into day three where you feel like you're getting a good player. So, uh, I mean, really, besides, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a good quarterback year. I don't think it's a, a great defensive tackle year. Uh, maybe besides those two positions, the other ones, uh, I think that they're at least middle of the pack, if not above average in terms of uh, overall depth. And what can you tell us about the tight end position on day two and day three? Because it looks like the Browns could use another body at a position that they really, really, really like to, to use a lot. Yeah, and that, this is a, a tight end group where we might not see one in the top 50 uh, this year. Uh, but third round, fourth round, they're, they're going to fly off the board. Uh, that, that's going to be the sweet spot to get your tight end. Uh, and I, I think this draft has plenty of uh, tight ends that are, can help your team. Maybe they're not Pro Bowl level players. But, you know, you get Jeremy Ruckert in the third round from Ohio State, who is going to be a better pro than college player. Uh, been a little out of sight, out of mind with him because he's had the foot injury that he suffered at the Senior Bowl. And so, you know, no combine for him, no pro day. Uh, same thing with Kate Otten from Washington, uh, 6'5", 250. 
uh, has not been able to, uh, to show what he could do. He had, you know, first big injury in his life happened late in this, in the season where it had a foot injury, no combine, no senior bowl, no pro day. Um, uh, and then on the flip side, a guy like Jelani Woods, who uh, at this time last year, we're talking about him as maybe a late round pick. He transfers from Oklahoma state, uh, goes to Virginia has a, has a pretty productive senior year uh, at six, seven, two fifty runs in the four sixes, low four sixes at the combine. Uh, outstanding workouts, a pro day, did, had a nice week at the Shrine game. Jelani Woods has worked himself into the top five tight ends this year, maybe as early as the second or third round. So um, third round, fourth round, there's going to be a tight end, I think, that the Browns would be comfortable with. Someone that they feel like they could add to the rotation, is going to give them snaps. Um, it, there's plenty of names this year for, for a team like the Browns looking for a tight end in that third, fourth, even the fifth round range. All right, first round. Ohio State, Olave, Wilson. Which one would you take if they're both on the board? I'm a Wilson guy, uh, and, I, and I love Chris Olave. I mean, how can you not? But Garrett Wilson, uh, to me, is the best receiver in this draft. And it the, the basic difference between the two, in my opinion, is Wilson is much more of a threat after the catch. Chris Olave is not really going to break tackles. He's there's a, there's a The lack of physicality is something with him. Uh, that you kind of worry about at the next level. Uh, but Garrett Wilson, he creates separation before the catch. He creates separation after the catch. He has a real knack for it. He plays, he's not a big guy, but he plays much bigger than he looks. Uh, you know, being under sub 5'11", 185 pounds, but he's a long player. Uh, he plays really well through contact. And uh, the the body control is just phenomenal uh, with uh, with Garrett Wilson. So uh, to me, I, I think Garrett Wilson is, should be the top receiver drafted this year. But uh, I can understand the, the thing with Chris Olave too is, you know, he's, he's uh, you know what you're getting with him. You know, he's pro ready. Uh, you know, he's the senior of the group. Uh, he's done it a long time. His routes are NFL on an NFL level already. You know, he, they, he's wrapped up in clear wrapping paper. You know, there, there's no surprise when you open him up. Uh, so NFL team, that, and there's value in that uh, with what, so with where some NFL teams are in, you know, in, some are sort of looking for an NFL ready receiver. They're not, you know, going to gamble on the traits or gamble on uh, some of the upside that some of these receivers offer. You look at a team like the Packers or uh, some of these teams that are ready to win right now with their uh, uh, situation on offense, the value of being able to step in right away and be an immediate contributor is, and I think Garrett Wilson will too, but Olave is just a little bit further along with his routes, with his releases. Uh, you just have a better idea of what you're getting. And for some teams, there is certainly value in that. And for someone that invests their life in this and, and is so absorbed in it, what is your reaction to people that say this is either a not interesting draft or even a boring draft? How do you respond to that? I mean, Hall of Famers will come out of this, this draft. So let's let's find them. I mean, it, every year there's, there, you know, pro bowlers, uh, you know, it's it, the future of the NFL. In, in a, even if it's a small way, will be shaped by some a lot of these players that come into the league. So um, now I understand where they're coming from. I mean, relative to other years, we just don't have the star power. Aiden Hutchinson, if he was in last year's draft, probably not a top 10 pick. And he might be the number one overall pick this year. So trust me, I get it. Um, but I still think there's plenty of storylines, plenty of really talented players. Um, if you're a fan of one of the 32 teams, uh, you need to be interested in this draft because this is the, uh, the future of your team is going to be shaped uh, through this draft, through the first few rounds. And like I said, even though the upper class of this uh, prospect pool is a little thin, the middle class is stacked. And, and that's going to stretch, you know, the, the mid first round 
to pick 75. You know, it, it, there's not a ton separating a lot of these guys. And, and so I think you're going to feel good about uh, the guy you're adding to your roster, the uh, potential starter. Um, so there's, there's still plenty to be interested in. I know, you know, for me personally, I, I'm not a big fan of these quarterbacks, but I can't wait to see where they end up. You know, where does that run start? Uh, how early do they go? Uh, what's the situation? Uh, do we see a, a lot of trade action uh, for these quarterbacks? So even though it's you know, the opposite of last year, where we saw five quarterbacks go in the top 15, I'm still fascinated by uh, just how these quarterbacks are going to play out because they, they're going to go early. They do every year. Why should this year be any different? But, you know, what's the order? Uh, is it Pickett or Willis first off the board? There's still a lot of storylines we're following. He is the best in the business when it comes to covering the 2022 draft and the draft every year. Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Make sure you get his draft guide, The Beast, by subscribing today to The Athletic. DB, appreciate the time, and we look forward to seeing you over the next seven to ten days uh, on a number of our platforms here as we lead up to the draft and including draft weekend. All the best, my friend. Get some sleep. Uh, I know it's easier said than done, and we'll talk soon. All right. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Dane Brugler for his time and expertise, the best in the business, Gribs, and uh, dropping a lot of different names and a lot of positions uh, that could be in play for the Browns here next weekend. Yeah, you know, and don't tell Dane that this draft is boring. You know, he's 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 a believer in this year. So it's even if it's a meat and potatoes draft, he he he's he's into it. And and I think, like he said, there's going to be some Pro Bowlers and Hall of Famers, and hopefully the Browns pick a couple of them. But I, I think the intriguing thing for me is we know it's there's going to be wide receivers, defensive linemen, which the Browns have added some of those players at that position la, uh, this week. So you're a little more stocked a little bit in that department. But still, those are probably the top positions of interest for day two and day three. But I, I'm still intrigued by tight ends. I'm asking everyone that comes on this podcast about tight ends. I think it's going to be a position you you want to look at, and there's some exciting guys uh, that have uh, played at a pretty high level at the college level. I can, a, a Trey McBride is very similar to a Harrison Bryant in terms of the production that they've done, and then a guy like Jelani Woods is massive and a great red zone target, so a lot to like in, in that position, and, and it's one I'll have my eyes on with the Browns, whether it's late on day two or early on day three. Well, I, I thought it was interesting during the Combine and through this whole process leading up to the week before here, the draft, some people you talk to say wide receiver, you can get a starting wide receiver in the second and third round. Others, like Dane, said, you know, there is a drop-off at some point in this wide receiver class, and that edge might be a better bet in the second, third, or fourth rounds to pick up an edge rusher. And this might be the year you have to take advantage of it because I feel like we've had so many years where you talk about the massive drop-off in, in edge rushers at this point in the draft. And I think, again, like we've said before, anytime you're drafting an edge rusher beyond the top 20 picks, it's a projection of sorts. But it just seems like this year there's a lot of guys. And I think that's a good thing because I think the Browns were in a position recently where they could have added to that position, but it just didn't work out in the draft where there wasn't a lot of talented guys. So... I think edge, edge or wide receiver. I, I kind of, I, I think I kind of lean edge in terms of what I think the Browns might do, but uh, it, it'll all depend on kind of time and place. But wide receiver is is going to be addressed at some point here. It just may not be at that at that first pick. Yeah, and a defensive tackle that uh, he felt that it wasn't such a great group or a great class or a great year, I guess, for for defensive tackle. So. If one of the, the big defensive tackles is on the board, and we've talked about it, and even Dane said it himself, he can't envision us taking a defensive tackle with that first pick in the second round. But depending on how the board falls, I, it has to be in play, I think. 
Yeah, especially because, like you said, you, you may be, and this is maybe a strategy that can lead to bad things, but it's like you, you look at it and say, well, maybe this guy isn't worth the 44th pick, but we're there's really nothing beyond that this group, but that's a way to get a player that's not of the value that you want at 44. So it all depends. There's a few guys like a Winfrey there, uh, like a, um, Travis Jones, if he's there at, at, at 44, but it, it it's those three positions. I think I'd be shocked if it's not a wide receiver, defensive tackle, or defensive end, but you know, I, I don't know if I would have picked a linebacker in the second round last year either. I don't know if I would have, I would have envisioned JOK coming to the Browns uh, in the second round last year. So anything can happen, especially in that second round where all of a sudden there's some guys that you thought were first-rounders who are all of a sudden getting in your range at 44 there. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Don't tell Dane Brugler that it's an uninteresting draft or a boring draft, and I think the same would go for the guys upstairs uh, that are making these decisions. Uh, these are some pretty valuable picks, especially on that day two front and into day three at the beginning. Uh, guys that can really impact this roster and are going to be counted on, I think, to make an impact on this roster. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a strong roster at most positions, but these guys are going to supplement. I mean, especially your day two guys, those second and third rounders, those are going to be impact players in some capacity. And, and, and you don't, and you want those players to contribute. You're, they're not going to come in and, and be handed starting jobs, but they're going to, they're going to play in some way, shape or form. Just looking back at the impact of all these guys over the past few years, the Browns have gotten great players in the second round, in the last three or four years. Uh, you want to continue that streak and, and build upon it because I think we all feel really good about JOK and he was picked right in that range uh, last year and Nick Chubb and, and everyone. I mean, those are second round players are, are making big impacts in the league all over. All right, this is also week one of organized team activities, otherwise known as OTAs. The players back in the building, they arrived in a snow globe uh, during the day on Tuesday and back in the building and getting after it. And right now, just workouts and meetings. But uh, that will evolve into a lot more in the coming weeks as well. We heard from Kevin Stefanski. We heard from Amari Cooper. We heard from Jacoby Brissett. We also heard from the newest extended Brown in Denzel Ward signing a new five-year extension Gribs and a contract that will keep him as a member of the Browns till 2027. Here's a guy that you know grew up playing at Nordonia High School, went on to the Ohio State University and, and Cleveland's own. Will continue to be Cleveland's own for the next five years. Denzel Ward uh, deservedly so, getting a five-year contract extension. And with him, now Deshaun Watson uh, under a, a long-term deal. You've got Nick Chubb under a long-term deal. Betonio, Teller, Miles Garrett. Uh, and then you brought in some great pieces. You know, John Johnson III uh, is, is ma making an impact. Greg Newsom is under a rookie deal for the next couple of years and continues to be that way. Uh, Amari Cooper, obviously. And, and then, you know, what Andrew Barry has done in terms of getting extensions for guys and his track record continues to pile up. Uh, we can't forget Kareem Hunt and the deal yep. that he signed. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's all about getting the guys on your roster and keeping them there. And I think that's, that's been a big win for this team of, over the last few years. You've obviously, when you get to this level, you've got to make some hard decisions, like the ones that were made on, on Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, guys like that. But getting, these, getting your talented players, and, and Denzel Ward in particular is a great one, just like Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, when you're able to draft the guys and then extend them. That's how you consistently build a winning product in the NFL. And with Denzel, it, it really is, when you factor in all the intangible stuff, or the off-field stuff, 
and then you throw in the on-field, it's like as as much of a no-brainer as you could think of in terms of drafting a guy high uh, at the time, which people were, were skeptical about, get, using the fourth pick on a cornerback. And I think he exceeded expectations. He's coming off what I would say is his best season of his career so far. He's only 24 years old, will be 25 during the season this year, entering his prime, uh, and just a player that – He's got great stats, and I don't think the stats do what he does justice because I think he's he does a lot of things out there that you don't get traditional stats with, and I, I think he's got uh, a huge future here and, and someone who I think is going to still be playing at a high level well beyond that 2027 20, uh, where that, that contract ends. Well, and again, how impressive now is that secondary with Johnson, with Delpit. You're bringing back Ronnie Harrison at the safety spot. We talked about him last week signing his one-year deal. You have Greg Newsom. You have Ward. You have Troy Hill. Uh, you've got some other pieces and parts in that secondary as well, and, and it's a very talented secondary and will be here for a while. Yeah, and it's it's an area of the team that really was a big question mark for years, and all of a sudden it's like a luxury to look back there and look at this draft and be like, the Browns could feasibly go into this draft and not take a corner, which is just something that doesn't usually ever happen, but it's, it's one where it could seriously happen. I mean, you could go without even an entire defensive back potentially in, in this draft. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of resources from a lot of different avenues, uh, and, and nailing the Newsom pick I think is a huge part of this because – uh, you can have some hits and misses late in the first round, and, and Newsom for sure is looking like a hit so far and will only get better as, as he plays on the same field as Ward. I mean, that just makes life a little easier for him as well. Yeah, so a big week here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. Denzel Ward signing that five-year extension through 2027. The Browns also making a few other moves. Guys that you may have heard of, maybe you haven't heard of, but Isaiah Rochelle, Defensive end, wide receiver Javon Wims. Uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Day coming back to the football team. Wide receiver Jamarcus Bradley, guard Michael Dunn signing their exclu- exclusive rights tenders. Uh, and Stephen Weatherly, a defensive end. Uh, really it, rounding out this roster is what this football team's trying to do right now and, and signing some guys that are out there on the free agent market. Are, are they that big A level, B level, no, but they're guys that could make an impact on your roster in the right fit. And I think the Browns are hoping they have found a couple fits here. Rochelle and, and Wims, both the defensive end and wide receivers, have made contributions in their previous teams. Wims with the Bears, Rochelle with the Chargers and the Colts. Yeah, and, and these guys that are going to compete for roster spots. I think you can safely say that for, for all the players you listed. They're going to be in the mix for spots when it gets down to that to that final roster cutdown day. I think you simply need a bodies at defensive end. These are two guys that bring experience. And like we said last year, the Browns did similar things last year at this time of year, especially at defensive tackle. You added guys like Damian Square, who's with the team for a little bit. You added guys like Malik McDowell, who ended up making a big impact throughout the season last year. You you add these players who, you know, some may make it, some may not, but but it, it gives you a chance and you set them into a competitive environment, which they, guys like Weatherly, Rochelle, Wims, they've, they've been a part of it. Day has continued to, I would say, overachieve or exceed expectations these last couple of years with this team uh, and make an impact and, and kind of force his way onto the field the way he did at the second half of last season. Yeah, so I would expect the Browns to not be done anytime soon uh, with making moves and continuing to bolster the roster from top to bottom. We are one week out from the 2022 NFL Draft. Thanks to Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic today and get your copy of The Beast, his draft guide 
is one of a kind, and he has outdone himself yet again here in 2022. Appreciate his time and his knowledge on the draft itself. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. You can like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash browns. As I mentioned, for Andrew Gribble, for Jeff McDaniel, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back with you on Tuesday, our draft preview show. This is the best podcast available presented by Cross Country Mortgage.